0: How are y'all? Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Thank you. It's a little early, but it's never too early. Some of y'all set up your houses in October, and it's kind of crazy. Because I like Thanksgiving. I like to eat. How many of y'all like to eat? Let's be honest. Okay. So it's like, how do you eat in the tree before? But okay. Neither here nor there. But we definitely miss y'all. Last week, of course, we didn't have service because Thursday was Thanksgiving Day. So if you came here and grabbed the door when we we're here, I'm very sorry. I'll pray for you after service. It'll be great. Um, but I want to show you all a picture because everyone asks, uh, what do you eat at Thanksgiving Amir? And I say, well, we eat food like you do. Uh, we just have a little Persian spice to it. And so um, that's a turkey on the backside. It's the uh, same thing you eat. It's crazy. I know. <laughs> it's the craziest thing ever. But yeah, in the middle is rice because We're Persian. And then that big bowl between the deviled eggs that my uncle makes, they're so good. Y'all eat that though too. Is just like a Persian salad. I'll make it for you. I can't make it for all y'all. That's a very big salad, but I'll try. Um, that's my mom taking a picture of you. She's very proud. Sorry, I don't have her head. Um, and those two bottles of orange goodness are Fanta. I'm telling you, every time. This is not like, so y'all are like, why are you always talk about Fanta? Because we're sponsored. The one on the right, let me tell you a secret, guys. It's Mango. My dad goes, and this is like an epic moment at Thanksgiving. We're all kind of staring at him because he's like the father of Fanta, you know? Don't say that three times fast. And uh, he takes a sip. He looks at me, shakes his head. And I was like, is that good? And he goes, it's good. This is not Fanta. <laughs> I was like, yes, sir. So needless to say, we didn't finish the mango, but the orange got cashed fast. It was good. It was good. So we ate. It was great. I just want to show you all a picture. Persian people like turkey, too. I promise. It's the real thing. Um, but... It was cool. I came home on Sunday, and then I got a cool opportunity once a year, uh, all the New Life pastors. So we have 10 campuses, if you didn't know, which is really cool, in in nine different cities. We all go on a retreat for three days once a year and get to hang out and dream for next year. We get to hear from our head pastor, Pastor Rick. We went to Branson. How many of y'all love some Branson in your life? Come on. City of opportunity. I made that up. I had never been since last year. Last year was my first time to go to the retreat went there. Um, I heard it has a crazy light show and stuff like that and shopping. It was great. It was just cold. And uh, it was cool. We talked about vision for next year. and, And though I'm sad that this is our last service I'm just elated for next year. Not, only, not just Elevation, but our church, guys. And Soon we'll announce as a church the theme for next year. We, we kind of try to keep things thematic as a church, just so y'all know where we're aiming. and It's going to be awesome just to hear the heart of Pastor Rick. But I, we we're at the sweet shop. I just have to show y'all a picture because it's the craziest thing ever. And there was this bear in the corner. And uh, one, I wanted to buy it, but then its eyes are demonic. <laughs> so I said, bump this bear. So I gave it a thumbs up. If you can't read the apron, it says stressed, spelled backwards, is desserts. So if I don't say anything else, I can probably say, let's pray. Let's go home. God, we love you. Thank you for desserts. I was like, this is the greatest <laughs> encouragement I've heard in a long time. So m- a lot of y'all are college students. You get stressed, you just eat those chips ahoy. It's going to be okay. This is, your, this is your final survival kit. Young adults. same thing. I was like, this is the greatest line ever. I wish this was in the Bible because I would say it all the time. John 18, 3, stress is the man who eats many desserts because it's backwards the word. you know. And so it's like, I just had to show y'all a picture. I'm sorry his eyes. are. I don't know what's going on, but... And he's kind of leaned forward, so I took the picture, and I kind of thought when I got done, he was going to chase me. <laughs> so needless to say, I got out of there fast. Okay. Well, hey, let's let's pray before we get into the Word, and, uh, and and we'll have some fun tonight. Let's pray. Father, we love you so very much, and we thank you for the opportunity to worship you. And and, uh, and God, we just thank you for everything that Christmas time means. And And Jesus, we just thank you for the sacrifice and just everything you do in our life on a daily basis. And God, I pray just as a ministry, as a, as a group of young adults, we can just reflect on this year, Lord, and remember all the amazing things you've done for us, even during trying times, Lord, all the ways you've shown up and, and your promises are true and the way you answer prayers, God, and, and you just are so faithful, Lord. So we thank you for that. And God, we, we also just lift up another church to you. And God, we pray for... Antioch Baptist Church, God, we pray for their college ministry perspectives, and we—I'm so thankful for their pastor, God, and Pastor Sean, and the way he leads their college students. So we pray for their leaders and and the people in their ministry, God. Just that finals are coming up, we pray a blessing over them, and we we've also just pray for Pastor Sean as he gets to speak at different camps. This next weekend, Lord, and we pray for their church, God, because we know just like our church, their church is going to have some visitors during Christmas, and they're doing some awesome stuff, so God, we pray a blessing over their church, and we thank you how they're also just loving and serving college students as well. Be with them, God, and be with us tonight, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, well, last service, you know, it's Christmas time. I know it's December 3rd, and so it's like, wow, Christmas is a while away, Um, but I was praying after Thanksgiving what I wanted to talk to you guys about. And I was doing some research and I came across this study. It's just very interesting. So I want to read it to you guys. It, it was done by Pew <laughs> Research Center. It's just funny because it's church, Pew. It's witty. They're witty people. 2013. And this is what the statistics say. You don't have to write these down. I just wanted, it was just very, it was just interesting to me. It said nine out of 10 Americans celebrate Christmas. Okay, I haven't lost anyone. Thank God. It said of that 90% though, about 50 believe it's a religious holiday. Okay, so cool. Uh, of the nine, nine out of 10 Americans who celebrate Christmas, about half of that 90%, they think, yeah, it's a religious holiday. Christmas is about Christianity and Jesus. But it said 35% believe it's solely a cultural holiday, meaning the only reason we have Christmas is just something an American and other cultures do. It does not have a religious tire connotation. It actually has nothing to do with religion. Or to them, it has nothing to do with religion. I was like, wow, that's interesting. And then the last 5% of that 90, I didn't do bad math. <laughs> it was up the 90% because I counted it four times. I was like, this is only nineties, hundred, 100. Oh, 90%, thank you, God. I got a master's, I promise. Uh, 5% think it's both or neither. And so I was like, okay, this is interesting. And, then, and another thing is said within that study is 8 out of 10 non-Christians say they celebrate Christmas, but of that 80%, the majority of them say they celebrate it for cultural reasons. For, of course, they're not Christians yet, but they don't celebrate it for Jesus, for Christianity. And, I, and I, that was just interesting to me. It's like, man, I feel like more and more every day, every year, Christmas is turning into it, it, a lot of things. It's being commercialized on one side. As this says, it's, it's getting away from the, the religious, the heart, the and religious is probably the bad word. It's just the heart of Christianity. It's the heart of Jesus. It's getting away from that, and it's turning into more of a culture thing. Oh, we do Christmas because everyone does Christmas, and you get together, and we get with our family, and we open up presents. We go see the lights. These are all amazing things, by the way, but it's a culture. The, the why behind it is not the same, and one thing you need to know is if you're like me, and you hear these stats, and you get kind of challenged, you're like, wait, wait, how do you not... Have God in any part of Christians or of our Christmas? We just have to remember, guys. And I do this bad, and I'm a pastor, and I'm just gonna remind you all: we have to remember that arguing and and, and <laughs> I almost said that. That's not gonna be good. And getting frustrated about stuff is never gonna win someone to the Lord. It's never gonna get someone to say, oh you're just proving me wrong in 80 ways, that's why we have Christmas. It's always been about love, it's always been about serving people, it's always been about sharing your story and the hope of Christ, can I get an amen? That's where people are gonna start believing. So you just have to remember, we hear these things or you might meet someone during this Christmas holiday and you might say Merry Christmas and they might say, oh, I don't say that. Well, no problem, smile at them. They might have just a solid red Starbucks cup. Well, don't freak out, lose your mind and repost 20 things. I was at Starbucks at Branson, the lady made my coffee, she said Merry Christmas. I was like, you're awesome, thank you. It's not, it's, they're just making coffee. Breathe. It's going to be okay. So I just wanted to talk about, I think, just the simplicity of the heart of this season. And a lot of this stuff, you're going to be like, duh, Amir. But I, I, just, I just felt like God has given me a specific word for you all. If you're taking notes, I've entitled it this. This is actually the theme of our Christmas here at New Life Church. But I've entitled this message, Jesus at the center of it all. So not just Jesus at the center. Jesus at the center of it all. Right, because if you didn't know, and it's a very simple thing. Not only does Jesus want to be in the, in, in all aspects of your life, or as some say, number one in your life, He doesn't just want to be number one in your life. Like, oh, Jesus is number one, family number two, work no no no. He wants to be number one in everything. He wants to be number one in your family. He wants to be number one at school. He wants to be number one in your job. He wants to be number one in your relationships. That's what he craves to be. He wants to be the center of it all. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write this quote down. I'm, I just it's just a thought I, I had when I was preparing this week, and to me it explains Jesus being the sinner. It's simply this. It is impossible to truly and fully celebrate Christmas without Jesus. I'll say it again. It is impossible. This is my opinion. This is not in the Word. This is my bold opinion. It is impossible to truly and fully celebrate Christmas without Jesus. So what are you saying to me? I can't celebrate Christmas without Jesus? No, you can, but I think fully and truly You cannot without having Jesus involved in it. And I'm gonna give you all some examples. I promise I'm not gonna leave you there, but I think so many times, if we say as a generation we love Christmas, it's our favorite holiday, which is a great thing, we love to celebrate it, we love everything about it, then Jesus has to be a part of it. Because those things go hand in hand. It's not one without the other, right? But I think sometimes culture says it's, it's just a cultural thing. It's not, it's not a, a Christian anything. So we're gonna jump right in. I wanna give you all two points so we love points, that's what pastors do, evidently. Like, I'm gonna give you points so you can remember just how we can keep Jesus in the center of it all. And then I'm gonna give y'all some tips at the end, just some really, really hands-on stuff, practical, practical, practical city at the end, and we can get through this, cool? So if you're taking notes, number one, you gotta know that Jesus is the why. And it'll be on the screens too. You gotta know that Jesus is the why. That might sound weird, I'll explain it in a second. He's the why. So if you have your Bibles, after you've written that down, I want you to turn to two places. They're right by each other. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. It's in the Gospels, kind of in the middle to the right of your Bible, and then the book of Matthew chapter 1, verse 20. Matthew is literally two chapters before Luke, so you can thumb one, thumb the other. If it's electronic, you'll get there real fast. That's awesome. So Luke 2, verse 8, and Matthew 1, verse 20. If you don't have your Bibles, no problem. We got your back. It's going to be on the screen. You know what I'm saying? Hashtag technology. <laughs> Suckers. Just kidding. Um, so let's go to Luke 2 together. And let's read. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. Let me just say this. Luke 2 is, is like the full Christmas story, right? We're just gonna read a part of it. Verse nine. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Let me just say this. I'm not trying to be crazy. I think I might get scared if I saw an angel. And y'all ever seen an angel? If you have, I wanna go with you next time. That's crazy. I wonder if I saw an angel. I wonder what I do. So I read this yesterday, and I was like, I might get freaked out too. Um, but the angel said, verse 10 hey, don't be afraid. I bring you, watch this, good news that will cause great joy for all people. We'll come back to that. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be assigned to you. You will find a sweet little baby wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger. His name is Jesus, and he likes to party, okay? So, in the manger, didn't have rooms in the hotel, so are they up in the manger. If you're wondering why they got born outside, that's why you see nativity scenes all the place. Because the Holiday Inn was closed. <laughs> Sad. She said to be born outside. What if we had to be born outside? It's crazy. Okay, so this is just talking. This angel appears to them. These angels did that. I wish angels did that more now. I, I would like want to see an angel real bad. But it appeared to these shepherds, and it's saying, "Hey, there, a baby was born." But hey, not only was it a baby. Hey, it's actually the Messiah, the Lord. And it, you got to know in that times, this, this culture of people. Because the Old Testament readings, they have been waiting for what they thought was a king. They thought a physical man king to be the savior of the world. So when, this, when the angel looks at them and says, hey, the Messiah's here, they're thinking, what? The Messiah? Like the savior? The, the, okay, we're going. And they go. Because this is like crazy. They have been waiting for this the whole, their whole life. But I want you all to come back to the second part of verse 10. It's just so powerful, guys. I think this is what I'm about to read. It is powerful even today. I feel like I can read this to y'all and y'all had never seen this verse and you'd be like, oh my God, that's crazy. The angel said, hey, I bring you good news that will cause you great joy for all people. How many know the gospel of Jesus is good news that brings great joy for all people? It's like something that if someone's never heard, it's gonna bring good news, it's gonna bring great joy, and it's not gonna be just for some people. It's not gonna just be for Americans. It's not gonna just be for these people. It's for all people. That's why God is the same yesterday as today as before, because when anyone hears this good news, it's gonna bring them great joy, and it's gonna be for all people. That's what's cool about God. This is not an outdated book that says, oh, yeah, that was 2,000 years ago. No, 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 when people hear about Jesus, the Messiah, of the Lord, this is what happens. I just think that's a powerful thing. Let's move to Matthew 1. I'm trying not to get excited because I talk really fast and you don't understand me, so that's why I took a breath. Thank you, Jesus. Matthew 1, and I'm gonna tie these two scriptures together. It's gonna be really cool. But what I just read it was almost like the beginning of the gospel. It's like, hey, this is Jesus and he was born and you gotta know he's the Messiah and you're thinking, wow, that's amazing. Okay, Matthew 1, if you wanna flip there in your Bible, it's two chapters back, it'll be on the screens. But after he had considered this, So this is Joseph now they're talking about. Another angel appeared, but you gotta think this is a big deal. So angels gotta be speaking to people because they don't believe the Messiah's coming. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, talking about Joseph, the husband of Mary, and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Okay, this is what this is talking about. Mary got pregnant. Mary and Joseph were married. They hadn't done married stuff yet and Mary got pregnant. So he was afraid because back then, if, if a wife commits adultery, you're going to divorce her because it's going to look bad on your name and your family. And so he's fearful because he's like, I didn't get my wife pregnant. How'd she get pregnant? And it, this angel says, and this is the hardest thing, one of the hardest things for us to realize is Christianity. It's hard for me to remember. Well, yeah, that, that, that child was a gift from the Lord. It was given to her by God. And so this, it took an angel to come to him in his dream. I don't know if you've ever had dreams, powerful dreams about the Lord. I wish you could just Google anytime dreams about Middle East people hearing God. I've read the number one way people are coming to know Jesus, Heather me if I'm wrong, in the Middle East is they have dreams about God. They have dreams that God speaks to them and says, I need you to go to this place. It's the craziest stuff in the world. The, I mean, I can't even make it up. This is like my family back there. And they'll wake up and they'll go to this place they saw that resembles somewhere in their village at night. I, I kid you not. And they'll knock on the door and they'll say, what are you doing here? And they're like, I had a dream that I was supposed to come here. They'll walk into an underground church and they'll give their life to Christ right there. Because God speaks to us in dreams at times. This is crazy. So he, this angel had to come into Joseph's dream. Let's go back to verse 21. She will give birth to a son. Watch this. And you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. That's bold. And not only this, this kid she's going to have, you're going to name him Jesus, but he's going to save people of their sins. No pressure. Great. I'm supposed to be like the kind of dad of this? This is great. Verse 22, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said to the prophet. So this is fulfilling Old Testament scripture. And this is that scripture. The virgin will conceive and give birth to his son and they will call him Emmanuel, which literally means God with us. It's powerful. So this angel appears. It's pregnancy is a gift from God. And then we we read that scripture. Now, I want to tie these two scriptures together because I just thought it was kind of like the gospel message spread out, and I didn't realize this until today when I was typing. That scripture I read in Luke was this. Just listen. It says, good news that will cause great joy for all people. A Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. So he's just been born, but hey, this is the Lord. We'll tie in that second scripture. She will give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus. Jesus means the God who saves. Wrap your mind around that. And he will save people from their sins. So the shepherds got told, hey, this is the Messiah that was born. They're like, okay, cool, let's go see him. But Joseph was told, hey, you're going to name him Jesus, which means God's who saves, and he's going to be the savior of all people's sins. And that's the heart of the gospel message, that Jesus came and was born and lived this life and died for us, died for our sins, for forgiveness, rose again to conquer sin and death, and he said, hey, I'm going to heaven. I'm going to send you my spirit, though, so you could be with you at all times. That's crazy. This is the first chapters of the gospels, and it's already shared what Jesus is going to do inadvertently, right? But you might ask, okay, Amir, why'd you say it like that? Like the why? Have you ever heard that phrase? Like what's the why behind something? Why? A lot of ways that's used, not just in the church, it's just vision. Talking about a vision for your life. So like, why do you do things? Why do you do the things you do? So think about in your life, if I ask you college students, why are you going to college? I, I, even if you didn't know why you're going, that's funny, undeclared. Okay. No, it's like, why are you going to college? You would be able to say, well, man, I have a dream or I've always wanted to, or I hope to do this, be a teacher, be a nurse, be an engineer, all these things you dream of. You're going to school for that, right? If you're a young adult and you're working, I say, well, why do you work? You would say, well, I got to pay some bills. Hello. But I do these things because I love and I I got a degree in this, or maybe I didn't get a degree in this. Hello. And you're just, I'm doing something else now. And uh, that's me. It's just fun Um, because I didn't go to Bible school. So I'm learning a lot. Give me grace. Um, And so I would say, well, why do you do that? And you're like, well, this is what I do. This is what I feel like God's put in my heart. Think about that with relationships. Think about why we eat. I know this is silly. Well, why do you eat? Well, if I asked you, why do you eat? You'd be like, so I don't die. Hello. And I love eating. It's food. It's good. It's the greatest thing on earth. How many of y'all like to eat? Don't be shy now. Oh, we hungry. That's what we always say at Elevation for the Word, of course. Think of why we exercise, why we learn, because we have a why behind these things. So if I were to say, why do we celebrate Christmas? I wonder what, the if I did an online poll, or if you guys are just, I walked around Conway, I wonder what people would say. And I think one of the biggest reasons, not the only reason, one of the biggest reasons is maybe people don't celebrate Christmas like we do, or maybe they don't fully understand because they don't know the why behind Christmas. They've never been given vision for Christmas. They've never been given the story of Jesus. They don't know why this Messiah, we don't, we don't know why we're celebrating this baby in a manger, right? And so I just wanted to kind of explain that why, because I feel like if you know the why, it's, you can keep Jesus at the center. Well, I'm going to go his, historically, because I know some of y'all like history, so let me just get the elephant out of the room. There's nowhere in this scripture that says Jesus' birthday is December 25th. It doesn't say it once. So if you're like me, I used to wonder that when I became a believer. Why? Okay, I ask, I'm the why kind of guy that asks questions. Well, it doesn't say December 25th. Why do we celebrate Christmas on December 25th? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. But I did research for like two hours. And it was interesting because back in the day, Old Testament times, 100, 200, 300, 400 BC, or 80, excuse me, they would celebrate Christmas kind of Christmas, Christian festivals and end-of-year celebrations would be at the end of December and the beginning of January. And so they had no record of when Jesus was born. Some scholars will say, oh, I think it's sometime in April. Some scholars will say, oh, I think it's sometime December. Some scholars will say, I think it's at the beginning of the summer, it's in June. And none of them had a way to put their finger on it. But the first time Christmas was celebrated, like, hey, today, December 25th is celebrated, was in 30, 336 AD, the fourth century. The irony was it was celebrated by Constantine, and if you ever took a history class, Constantine was a Roman emperor, but he was the first Christian Roman emperor. He was the first one that said, yeah, we're going to be a Christian government. How do y'all know Rome had some swag back in the day? Um, have you ever watched 300? It gets crazy. They have 25 abs, and it's like the craziest thing in the world. <laughs> scary. Guys, like, want to watch it because we're manly, and then we get really it's just a sad comparison and scary. I've lost my train of thought. Okay, so I was thinking about abs. That's weird. <laughs> sorry. So sorry. Okay. So Constantine said, we're going to kick it December 25th. We're going to celebrate Jesus. That's what we're going to do. And then there was this pope. His name is Pope Julius. And you can look this stuff up if you don't believe me. That next year, the same year, he said, hey, this is the the day. Because we've celebrated as a culture. We've celebrated as a region. Because how many of y'all know Rome had a lot of power back then? We've celebrated this. And this pope said, hey, we decide this day is going to be Jesus' birthday. We don't know if that's true, but we've decided, he stamped it, and the Roman Empire government said, hey, on this day, December 25th, we're going to celebrate it, and that was literally 1,800 years ago. That's why we celebrate Christmas on the 25th, but it does not say in this word, I'm sorry, the why, but I just wanted y'all to know, we've celebrated every year since then. Let me give you the definition of, of Christmas, though. Again, you might say, I mean, this is really simple. Why are you talking about this stuff? Because I just feel like people don't know. So if you don't know, how can you celebrate something you don't know? It doesn't make sense to me. Christmas in the Greek is two words, Christos, Moesis, and it literally means the mass, mass, Moesis, mass, or festival of Christ. Meaning that when we use that word mass in our world now, what are we talking about? We're usually talking about communion. Communion, yeah, it's done in the Catholic um, denomination, but it's done in all denominations. We do mass at our church. Scripture doesn't say how often you do mass. Jesus just says, when you do mass, remember me. That's what he talks about, communion. Okay, and so this is talking about that same thing. Why do we take communion? We take communion to remember what God did on the cross, his body and his blood, and remember what he's done in our life, right? What this is saying right here, Christmas, it's saying like that. It's saying, hey, remember Jesus, but remember his birth. It's like take a mass, take a communion of his birth. Let's hone in on his birth. Why Because Easter, we're gonna focus on his death. And so it's interesting when we say "Merry Christmas" in English, we're literally saying "Happy remembering Jesus was born." Hello, Merry Christmas! Happy remembering Jesus was born to you too. Merry Christmas, Mary. Happy Jesus was merry remembering born to you too. <laughs> merry Christmas, Sabir, Well, happy Jesus was born to you. It's good. Why do you keep saying that? Because that's what it means. No, it doesn't. Yeah, Google it. Google it. I promise. That's what it is. It's literally remembering the birth of Christ. To me, that changes the way I say Merry Christmas. But it's crazy. I love the phrase Merry Christmas. There's nothing wrong with that. But when I know that when I say Merry Christmas, it literally means remembering the birth of our Savior, there's a new hope to it. It changes the way you say it. it. has a different attitude, it has a different swagger to it because it's talking about, hey, you need, don't forget. It's almost like a, a, a prompting, hey, don't forget that Christ was born. Hey, when you're putting up those lights, when you're putting up that tree, when you're buying those gifts, when you're eating candy canes, when you're, hey, that's amazing. Don't forget Christ was born. Please don't forget Christ was born. It's a big deal. How, how many of y'all know? And it's funny because we say Merry Christmas. What's interesting for me, guys, I've been celebrating Christmas since I can remember. In the brown household, I say brown because it's our skin color. The brown household, the tan parents. We celebrate Christmas. We had a tree. We had presents. We had lights. My dad is the guy who put lights on our tree twenty on our house twenty years ago and has never changed them. He just literally plugs them in. So one flashes, one stays still, one doesn't work, and one's like it's like playing sandstorm. You know what I'm saying? Throwback, Indies. No, okay. College was different for me than y'all. Okay, sorry. Uh, <laughs> it's bad. So. We would celebrate that and I'm thinking, okay, cool, Christmas. You, it's a family thing, you get together. Because so I wasn't, I didn't grow up in church. And I remember I'll never forget we were driving, we had a couple, I'm from Mustang, Oklahoma, we got a couple families of Mustang that go hard. How many all know the people that go hard in their yard and you're like, there's literally a million dollars in your front yard, and there's like no square inch of grass left. Like it's like landmines. They're like, I swear if I step on that, I'm gonna shatter tin bulbs and the wiring's gonna open, it's gonna be like Christmas vacation. Their house is gonna go and this is gonna be gone. But I remember this one house had this the nativity scene, and we were driving by and I'm like, hey, what is up with this? These weird dudes with beards and sticks and these people hovering over a golden, white, brownish, goldish baby. What, what is that about? And I remember my friend was like, yeah, that's just, it's Jesus. And I was like, oh, yeah, what does that mean? Why do they have a baby in their front yard? There's no Santa. There's no Frosty. There's no lights. There's no North Pole. These people are wrong. Get that crap out of there. Why would he be born outside? This is crazy. Because the holiday was closed. I didn't know that. I found it out later. Okay, so. And he was like, hey, yeah, man, Christians believe, I'll never forget this. He's like, Christians believe that this was the birth of Jesus, the son of God. So he was born on Christmas. That's why, that's another reason. I'll never forget. He said, that's another reason people celebrate Christmas. I was like, oh, cool. So some people celebrate Christmas because they think this guy was bored. Awesome. Great. I'm going to go open my presents and have a good time. Um, And I'll never forget when I became a follower of Christ in college, seven years ago now. Yeah, eight years ago now. And I, re- I figured out the why behind Christmas, and I figured out that, man, and Christmas is real. We're really celebrating the birth of our Savior. Like, this is when it began. This is when, when Jesus stepped foot on this earth and would later do incredible things for us. It changed the way I saw Christmas. Did I do Christmas perfect after that? No. Was I like, oh, doing a Devo every day during Christmas time? No. But it changed the way. Why? Because I knew the why behind Christmas. I knew the heart, the, the vision, the heartbeat behind Christmas. Why we do this every year and why it's so important to God that he was born, that we remember him and why we say Merry Christmas, it just changed the way. I thought and I just pray that that's the same for us. Let me give you all an illustration. This is really crazy, but I think it's really funny. Illustration meaning it's not real, so don't get mad when I say this. Say, for example, I uh, later down in life, pleased God, passed away and went to heaven and I just aced it as a pastor. I was pretty awesome. People, our, our ministry was always healthy and great and, and full of the truth of the word. And, and, and basically, when I passed away, people wanted to remember me. And so they, they made this holiday called Amir um, Not Spanish Mas, like more, like Mas because Christmas. And coincidentally, my birthday is August, well oh stage, away. hello, okay. My uh, birthday is August 25th, so it fits perfectly. So every August, you guys, if you're, if you're still around or whoever, our families or the people behind us would celebrate a Mirmus. It sounds really funny to me. It's kind of weird. Uh, they would celebrate a and it'd be a really cool thing. Like, every year, like, what are you doing for Amirmas? And it's like, I don't know. It's hot, <laughs> and it's Arkansas, so it's still 175 degrees. So we're probably going swimming and having a pool party, and we're getting gifts from my friends, and I don't know what the celebration would be because I haven't made it up yet, but one day I will, and we'll be having a party. And, uh, and so we celebrated, and it was great. And then what if, like, over time, people stop doing certain things? So, like, people stop remembering me. They would still celebrate Amirmas, uh, but they'd stop, people wouldn't even know who Amir is. People didn't even know that's a name within Amirmas. They just thought Amirmas was this weird Persian word that everyone liked that came to America, and now it's a holiday. What if people stopped being thankful for me? What if people even forgot I was born? It was my birthday that people were celebrating. It got to a place where people weren't even talking about me more. They were just celebrating and doing these traditions of Mirimus that people had developed over time, but they didn't even understand, like, it had to do with a person who lived who, who lived for the Lord and did all these things. And I just wonder if that the traditions would take over, but they had nothing to actually do with the birthday. I wonder how I would feel. And I, and I know this is just an illustration, and I don't mean to be dramatic. Let me say this about traditions. I think they're amazing. I think it's amazing that as an American culture, we go out of our way to give people gifts and love them and we try to be as intentional as possible. And our parents tell us that Santa is real. I think those are amazing just because we get so excited. And I'm still the kid who rips the Christmas present. Like you can't even see because I'm just throwing the paper, like making it rain. It's awesome. And lights and food and decorations. But I believe those same traditions, they they turn into miracle territory. They turn into life-changing the moment that Jesus is at the center of them. All and so I just wonder if Jesus at times is looking down on earth. And saying, I love what you do at Christmas, but I just want to be in the middle of it. I love that you people go Christmas and I love that you decorate your house in October. I love that you have a Christmas tree. I love that family comes from all over. I love that you get these gifts. I love that you sing these songs at your church. I love that these people do nice things for people. But why am I not in the middle of any of it? You haven't even said my name. This is about me and what I would later go to do. And, and I'm only here for you. So is God a selfish God? Yeah, he's selfish for us. That's what he's selfish for. And I just wonder if it would grieve the heart of God that as a tradition, as a culture over and over in America, we slowly get away from celebrating Jesus. I wonder what, when we go to heaven one day, I wonder if God's just gonna be like, yeah, Christmas is kind of hard for me. <laughs> it's my birthday and no one even celebrates me. <laughs> it's like, it's just really sad up there. Because how many of y'all know when you celebrate someone on their birthday, they show up? Have you ever thrown a birthday party for someone and they don't show up? If they did, I'm very sorry. I'll call them. Maybe you didn't tell them. Maybe you didn't tell them it was a birthday party for them. But when you throw a party for God, metaphorically speaking, he always shows up. When you do things as you're doing them to the Lord, Colossians three twenty three, and when you put God in the center of everything, he always shows up. So if you have a home life that's not the best, or you're stressed during holiday season, I'm going to say stressed again, because we're stressed over getting presents and trying to go places and seeing all of our family, when ultimately it's supposed to be about the light of the world and the prince of peace and the hope of Jesus. Well, I wonder if Jesus was in the center of your holidays, how different your holiday would look, all because it's his birthday, and he came for us. So I think he just wants some recognition. He's not saying stop these traditions you do. I think he's saying, hey, will you let me in on them? Because I want to put a little Jesus twist on them, and I want to change your life. That's what I wonder for this year. So I think we got to know the why. Point number two. This is going to be metaphorically funny. Don't fall asleep on Jesus. Don't fall asleep on Jesus. Drank too much eggnog, got crunk. bye. I'm not going to read the scripture, but in the book of Matthew... Chapter 26, verse 40, it's the end of the Gospels. Jesus is going to the Garden of Gethsemane. He's going to pray, and he's with the disciples, and, and he tell, he taught, there's an ongoing conversation. You can go read it later, Matthew 26, 40. And he goes and he says, hey, just stay here. I'm going to go pray. And he walks up and goes pray, and Scripture says that he feels like an anxiety upon him. like He feels something big is about to happen. So he literally comes back. It doesn't say how long. He comes back, and the disciples are asleep. And he's like, what are you? What are you doing? Hello, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. And he says, okay, I need you to stand firm and I need you to pray so you won't sleep. He said, the flesh, the, the, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. That's what he says. Stand up, guys, come on. Will you pray for me? Because he can just feel, this is one of the biggest moments of his life on earth. He goes back and he starts to pray and he starts to ask God and he literally asks God and God shows him, hey, you're about to get arrested and you're about to go and get killed. And he literally looks at God crying and he says, God, can you please take this cup away from me? And then he goes back, scripture says, and they're asleep again. <laughs> what the heck are y'all doing? <laughs> it's like, are you that tired? And Jesus wakes them up again and says, hey, hey, what the crap are y'all doing? Will you please just wake up? Are you tired? Here's a Coke, come on. And he's like, and pray, will you pray for me? Please just pray for me. Because I'm going through some prototypical hell over here almost. Because he knows what's about to happen. He knows he's about to get beaten. Scripture says that when he's praying to God, he literally starts to sweat blood. And if you research what that would take, it takes this extreme, unrealistic amount of stress for you to start sweating blood. And all he's asking them to do is stand up and pray for him because he needs help. Because he's just so burdened and so nervous. And he knows this is what he's supposed to do. And I, I just feel like metaphorically speaking, so many times during this holiday season, we fall asleep on Jesus. It might be the most, one of the most important times to him when he's saying, yes, all these holidays, all these friends and family, I just want to be in the middle and we just kind of say, cool God, I'll talk to you later, I'll see you January 1st when I need your help with my goals. That's when I'll call you back because I'm, these pants don't fit and I'm having a hard time, God, that's what I say, not y'all. And I just wonder if we don't understand the why and we're kind of metaphorically falling asleep on Jesus. Let me, let me give you an example. I shared this with a serve team earlier. When I became a believer in the three or four Christmas breaks, I'd go home to Oklahoma I think every single one, I didn't open my Bible. Uh, I didn't go to a church because I didn't have a home church in Oklahoma. I do now when I go the past couple years. Uh, I would never really worship. I might listen to worship music and I would hang out with some friends that uh, I love that are my best friends to this day. The majority of my friends, I'm a pastor, this is ironic. The majority of my friends in Oklahoma aren't believers yet, and, but I love them. They're my best friends. They're always gonna be my best friends. I'm gonna talk to them about the things God, but I'm not gonna force it upon them because I believe God's timing's perfect, but I'm gonna be a model to them. And uh, I would just take a break from God. It was almost like I had a timeout sheet and I would just punch it in here in Conway. I'd be like, all right, God, seen a little bit. I still love the Lord. I loved elevation. I loved all the growth I had, but I would just kind of take a break. Because I'm thinking it's Christmas break, God. It's just hard for me. There's a lot going on. And I, and I would get challenged because then I'd get in an argument with my dad. And I'd snap at him and I'd, I'd lose my cool. And then I'd get into it with my friends. And I'd see people that I used to hang out with and I'd get into old habits. And then I would wake up with guilt and shame and say, why did I even do that last night? And all in all, I was just not connected to God like I had used to be because I was just kind of given a break. God, because God wants to be the center of it all. And so metaphorically speaking, I was just taking a a nap. Jesus, I'll come back later. And so for college students, I think this might be the most challenging for y'all because you have so much time off. And some of y'all are younger. And so it's easy to be here and be around your community. Some of y'all come from out of state or smaller towns or or some of y'all don't even talk to your friends at home anymore. Not that they're bad people, you're just at a different place now. And you'll go home and you go around these environments, you get around these things and it's very hard. And I just wonder if we went in with the same swagger, the same heart, the same desire to grow, the, to seek God like you have now. It might look a little different because you don't have a Thursday night gathering. You don't have a small group. You don't have these best friends around you every day. It might look a little different, but I wonder what God would want to do. The same for young adults. I was doing counseling in the city. I got a week off, went home. I didn't open the word once. I didn't spend time with God at all. I was just like it's a rest. I want to take a break. I'm working now. I'm out of school. God, please. And I wonder just like earlier, gosh, I just want to be in the middle of it. You don't, you don't have to ha- I-, I want you to want to hang out with me. When we talk about find your place in Christ, guys, right? It's one of the one of the vision the parts of our ministry. I think the myth that we think about elevation is find your place in Christ. The only way you can grow in the relationship with God is here or is in your life group or is on a mission trip or is at the stand. When really finding your place in Christ, when growing your relationship with God is unconditional in where you're at. Now, find your place in the church and find your place in biblical community, Yeah, it's 100% where you're at. So one day you college students or one day you young adults, if you move, that's what we pray. We pray you hope you know that I need to get involved with the church and I need to find some biblical community. But you growing in your walk with God is not conditional upon us. And it's not conditional upon your people around you, even though they love you. And so I'm just gonna challenge you, hey, let's seek God the same way. Let's grow the same way. We can do that anywhere. You can have God. That's what's cool about the spirit of God. Let me read you a scripture. We read this in August. Pastor Lauren Foster, in the midst of Tim Debo Madness, I didn't say that earlier, those of y'all are here, it was fun. Uh, he read the scripture this week in taught on John 15, verse 1. I just want to read y'all this. This is the first scripture I taught y'all at the beginning of the semester. And I just want y'all to hear Jesus' heart. This is Jesus speaking. I'm the true vine. My father's the gardener. He cuts off every branch of me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that will be even more fruitful. You already claim he's the word I've spoken to you. Watch this, verse 4, most important. Remain in me, and I will also remain in you. Stay connected to me, saying, hey, hang out with me, and I'm gonna hang out with you. No branch, none, nobody, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine, it must stay connected. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. We'll stop there. So what Jesus is saying is, hey, even at Christmas break, even at a change of scenery, even at a different time, I just wanna be connected to you, and I promise you'll bear fruit. Some of y'all are trying to bear fruit with your family, trying to bear fruit, friends. If you're like me and you want to be a light to others, but it is impossible to bear fruit without being connected. And the best part of the scripture is it says the father prunes. What I told y'all in August is you can either let the word and God and the spirit of God prune you or you can let the world prune you. And I promise when the world prunes you, it's not a good outcome. Things are going to change when you come back in January. I've seen countless people. I did this myself for a month, and I had a best friend, thank God, who pulled me back to elevation. I was on fire for God. I was growing. I wasn't perfect. I was just coming around here. I would sit in the back because I knew so many people because I happened to be involved in UCA. And I started moving a little forward because I got confidence, and I finally got in a small group of three semesters. And then I just took a break from God over the break. And I came back in January, and it didn't matter what anyone said to me. You going to elevation? No, I'm not going to elevation. Ah oh, man, I'm over that. I had no reason because I just stopped being connected. And thankfully, I had a best friend who grabbed me by the neck and brought me back here. And I got back around you guys, and I got back around God, and I remember I was being an idiot. So, (laughs) it's true. This is how I wanna end. I'm almost done. I just wanna give you all some practical ways to keep Jesus in the center of all. If you're taking notes, I would love you to. And we'll be done. The first one is this. Simply spend time with God daily. I say simply, because it's very simple, And I say spend time with God daily because that sounds, okay, let me, I heard a pastor say this the other day, I can't stop talking about it. There's two different things in this world. Simple and easy are not the same thing. There's a million things that are simple in this world, but they are not easy. This thought of spending time with God every day, I'm not dumb. I'm your pastor and it's hard for me to spend time with God every day. I know it's not easy, but it's a simple thought. And I'm just challenging you, and I'm going to do it with y'all. Let's hang out with God daily. This is what Pastor Marcus Brown says, our 4 pastor. He always says this. He goes, if you're having a hard time hanging out with God, do this. Give God 15 minutes, whenever you want, day, afternoon, night, 15 minutes. Just 15 minutes. He goes, do this. Get one worship song, whatever song you want, and listen to it, phone, car, YouTube, whatever you want to do. Listen to one worship song. Hey, and then find a scripture. It can be one scripture. It can be the, the, the verse of the day. It can be whatever you want. You can just random, brrr, ding. You can open your Bible and do that. It doesn't matter. Whatever you want to do. And for five minutes, read the word. And then the last five minutes, just pray. Pray whatever you want to pray. Thank God for stuff. Ask God for stuff. Just, whatever you want to do. Set a timer. 15 minutes will go off. Go on with your day. Now that's supposed to be religious, like you check a thing off. But if you're having a hard time, if we can't give 15 minutes to God, we're in trouble. And that's including me. And guys, I promise you, there's days I don't get into the word. That's just a place to start. Okay, I have a request for you guys. I know y'all have ever heard of Advent, what that is. Raise your hand if you've ever heard of an Advent. Okay, when I was praying last week after Thanksgiving, I felt like this was really strong in my heart. And I just need everyone's eyes at me. This is gonna sound a little crazy, but I just believe, believe in y'all. I found this Advent. Advent means, in, in the Latin, it means coming. And the word Advent is the, the arrival of someone, the, the coming of someone of influence or something of influence, right? And so I was looking and I found a two-week 14 days reading plan. And if you're a math buff, 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 thank you, foreign, it's hard, math buff. If you're a math buff, you would know that Christmas is in 22 days. I found this 14 day plan and I'm just asking you to do it with me. I'm challenging you. Now, some of y'all are looking at me right now, please don't check out and you say, Amir, I don't ever read. That's okay. Some of y'all are like, Why well, I read every day. I think this wouldn't be no problem at all. Some of y'all are like, Amir, I don't get anything out of the word. Okay, I'm asking you to try again. Some of y'all are thinking, well, Amir, I don't, I'm not sure. I don't know if I have time. Guys, it's like a, a, a two paragraphs of a Devo, and then it's like 20 scriptures. It, literally, I, if you power read it, it would take you three minutes. Like, I promise it won't even take you 15 minutes. And if, if you'll put it up on the screen, J Money, what it is, I, I'm, I try to make it as easy as possible for you. This is all I'm asking you to do. If everyone pull out their phones, I know I sound crazy, just pull out your phones for me, and you might already have this first step. Just do this for me. I'm just asking. You don't have to do this, but I'm asking, I'm pleading with you just to do it with me. If you'll go on your phone, you don't have to do it now, you can download the Bible app. It's 100% free, iPhone, Android, doesn't matter. If you don't have a phone that'll do that, you just go to Bible.com. Bible.com, it's very, very easy. Wait, and I'll give you instructions. I just want you to go to or, or remember or make a note to download that app. The second thing is this. If you text that number, it's the same thing we used with Pastor Neal a couple weeks ago. Just text the word Advent. You can text any word, but Advent works. to so that, that number, it's a Google phone number. It will respond, and it give you that, that screen on the left. It'll give you the link to the guide. And why I told you to download the Bible app is if you have the Bible app, guys, you'll click that link and it'll open up in the Bible app. But if you don't, it'll go to Safari and it'll show you it. And you just got to make a quick username. You'll put name, last name, username, password. It's really easy. Again, I know I'm asking you to do stuff, but I don't want five of us, five of y'all to do with me. I'm challenging you. Let's get in the word together as a ministry. But there, it's 14 days. There's 22 days. If you'll just text that number right now. I'm just giving y'all a moment. I know this is different. A pastor's letting you take your phone out in church, but please don't be that person that says, this is not for me. Oh, everyone else will do it. Even if you've never gotten the word, you just gotta start somewhere. And this is so easy. And it's great because if you forget a day, you get busy on a day, you're traveling on a day, no problem. Just pick back up where you're at. No condemnation you can just text that number. You'll get that plan. If you have the Bible app, which is free, what's cool about the Bible app is if you're in the bathroom, if you're in the car, if you're driving somewhere and you're bored and you're trying to learn to get in the Word and more, you just click it. There's a verse of the day. You don't know where to start? Read that one scripture. Remember what Neil said two weeks ago, guys. He said, quality, not quantity. It's a myth to our generation that you have to pound 20 chapters of the Bible and then you're, you're doing great in a day. You might read one verse. It's great. It's gonna be okay. No one's putting that pressure on you. It's not coming from me, but I'm asking you to do this with me, and this is where we're going to get crazy because we're a generation of technology, and I've waited past my time, and so this is what we're going to say. I just want y'all, when you read something that you love or that encourages you or maybe something stands out for you, I want you to post about it somehow in the hashtags, hashtag ElevationAdvent15. If you forget about that, I'll text you it. I was going to say something funny. I'm just kidding. So if you read a scripture and you're like, this is awesome. Screenshot it, instant ElevationAdvent15. Hey, this is really cool. And then we can do it together. We can encourage each other. You might encourage people that never read the Bible before. Please don't let me be the only one in the hashtag to post stuff. It'll be embarrassing, man. Don't play like a big elevation joke on me like don't post, let him, you're doing this. Like 30 of me. This would be so sad. It would be so sad. But I just want to finish strong this year. Cool? Let me go through the last couple of these. The next one, application, you can give to others. Get out of your comfort zone. Help someone, family, friends, strangers. That Christmas mall evidence that we're talking about, it's my top three favorite thing we do as a church. People come in, guys, who have from the Dream Center, from these places we do outreaches, and they have no money. They have no hope, and they literally come in, and for every kid they have, they get a big gift and two small gifts. And and they wrap them, and they keep the kids in the forest so the kids never see it, so the kids don't think their parents can't provide. And they go home, and they'll put... Presence on the Christmas tree and it's the cool, one of the coolest things we get to do as a church. Why? Because you guys give to it and you guys buy gifts and you guys come serve at it. That's the Arkansas Godsees. That's us being the hands and feet of Christ. And let me tell you another one. One of the most underrated things you can give this holiday season is your time. If you're like, I mean, I don't have much money, no problem. Go spend time with your family. Go spend time with some friends who need it. Go spend time with someone just, you said the time, that might wear you out normally at home, but just they need it. They don't have anyone else. Ask God if you don't know who that is. You never know what God wants to do through you if you give. Number three, practical advice, be Christ-like. Just be a light to others. Love people, serve people. It is amazing to me that during Christmas, Christians don't stand out, that we kind of get lost in the crowd. It's, it's just kind of crazy to me. I don't want to be that Christian. I want to be someone who stands out, not to, so people see my actions, but see, someone is blessed by me. When I leave Walmart, I can really show gratitude. So, you know, I just want to be a blessing to people. I just want you to be Christ-like. Last one is this. Reflect on God, what God's done this year. I know that's not natural for us, especially for guys. We're like, oh, reflect, shut up, Amir. That's weird. I don't want to blog or write a journal. Jeez, this is weird. Ooh. Okay, take 15 minutes. I'm talking the whole Christmas break. Please, start a timer. I know I'm on a 15 kick. It's my lucky number. And it's the year of 15, seconds. So it's about the end too. So you never know what's gonna happen. 15 minutes, just reflect on what God's done. Even for some of you who have had a crazy year, I promise you'll see ways that God's shown up. And then write it down. Last year, some girls in a life group, they got a Christmas ornament and they wrote on little strips all the ways that God had provided and, and answered prayers and they put it in the Christmas ornament. They capped it and they wrote 2014 on and they put it on their Christmas tree. And for the rest of their life, they'll look at that 2014 ornament and they'll remember what God had done. One dollar $1 ornament. Really cool. Last one is this, I lied. Recalibrate. Rest. Jesus Christ, just rest. College students, young adults, Rest. It's okay to take a day off. I know some of y'all have to work. I know some of y'all have to stay here. I know some of y'all, you're like, i mean, you don't know my family life. I know. Just find a time to rest. Sabbath, honor the Sabbath is one of the 10 commandments for a reason. Just rest. It is a myth that you have to always be doing something. And then the younger you are, college students, you're gonna figure this out when you're my age, but you, I, I missed all these years because I felt like I had to be going, 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 going. I'm not saying don't hang out with your friends and family. I'm saying just make time to rest. Whatever that is for you, you might be sleeping, it might be Netflixing, it might be hanging out with people you love, it might be reading. I don't know what that is. But whether you're an extrovert or an introvert, just make time to rest, please God. Recalibrate and just ask God. Do this with me, everyone. Write this down. Ask God, God, what do you want for me for 2016? Because if you don't believe God speaks, I promise He'll speak to you. This is the number one way He speaks is His Word, and we're gonna be doing a Bible plan together. Hello, got your back. Trying to set you up for success, suckers. Just ask God. Hey, God, what do you want for me, family, friends, job, school for 2016? And watch the things He starts to put on your heart. Because I want us to be a generation that believes our next year is our best year. Not that we just, oh, I hope I'll survive next year. Jesus is hope. He's our savior was born. He doesn't want us to live like that. I love y'all. Let's pray. Will you bow your heads with me?